1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fees, 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement. Due. $35 per line connection charge apply. CTMobile.com.
3: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670TheScore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bruce Levine is here, David Haw is not here, so Mark Grody is here, and I'm happy to be here on Inside the Clubhouse with you all. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. 44 67 67. Hoping to have a conversation with White Sox outfielder Adam Angle in a bit. Also, scheduled to speak to Yankees broadcaster Susan Waldman. And we have talked a ton about the White Sox so far on this show and their 10 4 loss to the Yankees last night and subsequent 15 16 record. Switching it over to the Cubs who also lost last night Arizona 4, Cubs 3. The Cubs with 3 in the third. And two of those scoring on an Eldamaro Vargas two-run triple. It was Arizona answering with three in the third off of Drew Smiley. This, ladies and gentlemen, a Drew Smiley, Zach Davies pitching specialty last night and the Cubs lose by one and it's a complicated year i think from the perspective of cubs fans bruce or at least i'd have to think so because it's you know cubs are 11 and 20 they're nine games out it's going to be a tough road for them to get back into any kind of playoff picture so i wonder how cubs fans are taking this in this year. And specifically, what I want to know from fans and from you too, Bruce, and, and maybe the barometer of what it should be, where is your patience level, Cubs fans? 312 644 67 67, because y'all have been through this before. You There was a, a rebuild before the 2015 season from 11. Through 14 and leading into 15, and then things obviously got better. But I think that there was more reason for optimism then because you had the superstar that is Theo Epstein, and you also had all of these hot shot top five prospects, most of whom worked out at the big league level. That doesn't exist as much now. There's obviously some good prospects for the Cubs, and there's a little bit of hope on the major league team right now, but it feels different than that and I don't know Bruce what what should Cubs fans patience be like because this is not going to be a good year for the Cubs
4: well I I, I won't say it's not going to be a good year for the Cubs I don't think they're going to uh, I don't think they're going to win the division okay I I know it's a very bold of me to say that now that they are nine games out of first place after 30 ball games but you know the the reality is is that uh, they are going to get back some pitching here soon okay so they just got Wade Miley back. He was expected to be a big part of their rotation when they claimed him off of waivers in, uh, in November last year. Uh, they got him off of waivers from Cincinnati for $10 million, came up with an elbow situation in spring training, didn't really pitch much, and uh, missed the first month, but uh, now back in that rotation. So him getting straightened out, um, getting Mills back uh, is, is important right now. Uh, and uh, getting some of their position players back. Madrigal on the IL right now with an injury. Really, has not gotten off to a great start. Suzuki, their hottest hitter in the first month of the season, uh, out with an ankle. Horner banging into an umpire the other day, out with a, an, an ankle situation. So they're pretty banged up. Uh, and, and again, the, the one thing about the Cubs that we knew going into the season was they're not going to have a lot of depth, okay? They did not have a lot of depth, and they do not have a lot of depth. So from all of that, uh, you, you have a situation where if you lose a player or you lose a pitcher, uh, it's, a, it's a much bigger deal for them right now. Uh, again, uh, I think the one thing that is a little bit hard for Cub fans to get their uh, heads around and again, three one two six four four six seven six seven. Agree, disagree, or have another thought on the Cubs. The one thing that they have a hard time getting their head around is that there was, you know, every time the Cubs were asked about whether this is a rebuild or not, they didn't want to use that term, and, and especially when they brought in, uh, when they when they paid the money for Stroman, uh, in March when they paid the money for Suzuki. Those are signs of teams that are not necessarily in a rebuild. It's a signs of that, hey, when good players are available, we're going to assign them and we're going to make them a part of the Cubs. So for me, uh, as a reporter and somebody who watches it on a daily basis, I wasn't quite sure how far they were going to go as far as spending more money, bringing in more free agents. They They were a part of the Correa situation. They did make a six and a seven year offer to Correa, who eventually signed with the Twins for a short term and can leave after one year and and make, you know, in three years, make a hundred million, more than a hundred million dollars. But in reality, um, that didn't work out. So from that perspective, I was kind of thrown off. I I thought that they were going to add more. I thought there would be more to this year's team. Uh, right now, there is not.
3: 312 644 67, 67 It's inside the clubhouse along with Bruce Levine and Mark Grody. Let's go to Martin in Milwaukee. Hi, Martin. You're on the score.
2: Hi. Thanks for uh, taking my call. I just wanted to kind of address your question about, you know, Cub fans, the patience of the fans for this latest rebuild or retooling or whatever they're calling it. Right. And, um, I mean, as a Cub fan, I mean, my patience is, is fairly low, and that's. You know, Mike, because you know when I look back at the first, at the rebuild that that started, and uh, you know, whenever it was, 2014, 2013, I, I think you know the bargain that I that I kind of struck with the Cubs at, was that you know they were going to take resources, take them away from the major league club, invest them in the lower, <clears throat> in the team's infrastructure, so that you know they would be you know sort of in the mold of the Cardinals or whomever, where you know they constantly had young talent that they could draw from. So it was just sort of a self-sustaining winning machine. But I think when you look back, you know, they really have failed to develop young talent. And uh, whether it was, you know, guys like Bodie or, um, you know, uh, even Ian Happ and, and other players, they just didn't, they just didn't develop in in such a way that. You know, certainly they are good players, but they are not players who are going to take you to a championship at the, at the you know, on a young, cheap, uh, on a cheap contract. And um, and that's why I, I think we're back to where we are now. And so in my, you know, where they're rebuilding again. And so in my, my thought is, you know, notwithstanding the World Series ring, which was great, um, but, you know it you know, given that we're back to where we are now, where the team is, you know, uh, barely is it's is nine games out of first and does not have a realistic chance at uh, at the playoffs. And there's no, you know, there's no World Series, you know, on the horizon. I, I, I look back at the rebuild. I think it was a failure, uh, not one World Series. You know, here we are again.
3: So Martin thank doing... th- Martin thank you so much for the for the call the the, the last part i completely disagree with you the, the the last rebuild was the antithesis of of failure they won the world series. Should it have lasted longer? Sure. Should this the sustained success should should they still be winning? Should they still have some of that core? Should they develop it the better? Absolutely. They won the world series. So it was it was phenomenally successful, especially relative to the previous one hundred and eight years. As far as this this rebuild that's going on. I think the only good news is, and I agree with you, like there's not exactly a pipeline right now of Cubs players that are, are prepared to march to the big league level like there were. I think the good news is, Bruce, and correct me if I'm wrong, th- they have shown indications with, with, the, with the offer to Correa and the signing of Suzuki and the signing of Stroman that they could build this thing back up a lot faster and that some of it or maybe all of it will occur in this offseason.
4: Yeah, I don't know about all of it, but I I do know that uh, they have no interest in being the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Cincinnati Reds and what they're trying to do right now. So, you know, Pittsburgh is taking their time. Uh, Baltimore has taken way too much time building up. They're starting to you know, build some good players, but it's been years of uh, rebuild there that uh, the fans have had to go through. I I don't think in Cub Nation you're going to see uh, ownership, uh, either the, the baseball or the business front office, sit back on their hands and just uh, hope for better days. I, I think you know, bringing in new people from the outside to help run the organization, uh, like Carter Hawkins from the Indians to be the general manager, um, there, there's a, a real sign that they, they want to sign, develop, and, uh, and get good young players to the big leagues. That's got to be a part of this, Mark. But the other part, I believe you're right about, and that is, they will not, they will not sit around and watch their team lose 90 to 100 games in multiple years right, without right. adding good players to the team. Exactly. And they they have the they have the money to do it. Uh, as Mr. Rickett said uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we have the money, but. Uh, we, we have not built through the farm system the way that we should have. That has to be a part of it as well. So I think that that's what the, the move is right now. Farm system is uh, ranked, I believe, third or fourth in baseball now after the trades they made last July and some of their own players coming to fruition. Not a lot of them are quite ready yet, but by next year at this time, you might be looking at uh, a Brennan Davis playing center field. Uh, you might be looking at two or three other pitchers in that rotation coming up from the minor leagues and the additions in the offseason. So I'm I'm not selling you pie in the sky. What mm-hmm. I'm selling you is uh, knowing the Chicago Cub front office and the people there the way I do, this is not going to be four or five years of a rebuild it's going to be uh, a quicker period than that
3: yeah they, they know they cannot afford to do that nor do they want to go through that again one thing that drives me crazy before we get to bill and elgin here is a, a text that i'm seeing and, I, and i've heard this before i've seen it before and i hate it because it's it's just ridiculous and if it, the cubs are the 1985 bears Number 1, if they are if the Cubs are the 1985 Bears, then then that means that we're going to be talking them about them for the next uh, 50 years because it was the greatest thing that occurred because the 1985 Bears were great. But most teams, most baseball teams that when they build up something special, whatever their version of sustained success is, they either win one World Series or they don't win a World Series at all and they they rebuild it. So the idea that, the, yeah, would it have been nice if the Cubs won another World Series or even got back to a World Series? I think that would have been fantastic. But the idea that in any way, shape, or form it was a failure because they didn't win another World Series, I think is just ridiculous. And I, I, I like the ambition. I like the the sense of entitlement of winning. I think fans should have that. But the 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 idea, the narrative that somehow, some way, that era of Cubs baseball fell short is just—it's—it's it's ridiculous. Let's go to Bill in El- Go ahead, Bruce. Did you, you have something on that?
4: I was just going to say that uh, Anthony Rizzo addressed this as well, and we'll have uh, Cesar try to pull the soundbite if he can. But he addressed he addressed this issue as well. He said, "Nobody repeats in baseball." Okay. Actually, since the uh, Yankees repeated as World Champions in uh, 1999, 1998, 1999, and 2000, uh, that's the last time a baseball team has repeated as World Champions. So, not to make an excuse for the Cubs, uh, because as you said, they had a, a very good run. They probably should have gotten to the World Series at least another time or so, but. That, that, that is a golden era of, of Cub baseball, 2015 through uh, 2020, because uh, you're talking about a lot of division uh, wins, NLCS appearances, and a World Series win. Uh, that sustained success, I think Cub fans feel they deserve it, and maybe Bill and uh, Elgin has uh, thought about where he feels the Cubs are at right now. Bill, welcome Bill. to Inside the Clubhouse. Well, Bruce, uh, this is what I think, and most of my Cub fan friends agree. Uh, they think that Hoyer has created a mess on the field.
2: Uh, I, I feel he's incompetent in making good deals compared to other GMs
4: and presidents of, of other teams. I mean, you, you know, he let Schwarber go for nothing. Uh, the deal with the Sox, Sox always come out
1: smelling like a rose, and, and, the, and the Cubs are always on the short end of the, of the stick.
4: Um, that's what I think. There's no confidence in the team uh, management right now, and uh, whether that falls on Ricketts or uh, on Hoyer or maybe both. But that's my feeling, and most of my Cub fans uh, agree. And it, and also the the marquee thing. Most people are very – Chicago people are very unhappy that they can't watch the Cubs without paying extra. So I'd like to hear your thoughts, Bruce. Thank you. Sure. Well, first of all, Bill, uh, I'll address the marquee thing, too. And, uh, you know, I, I am a, a contributor to marquees. So people will say, well, you know, you have uh, skin in the game and you're, you know, you're an apologist. So I'll, I'll address that right up front by saying, look, um, marquee is no different than uh, NBC Sports Chicago or the Bulls or the Hawks. You have to pay to be to get those as well. Okay. It's not it's not a it's a separate entity to itself, but you're paying separately for that. You're you're also paying for all those other things. That's called a sports package. I get the sports package in more ways than one. I get it and I get it. And I pay for it to the tune of uh, twenty nine dollars a month. Twenty dollars a month for the package it includes Cubs, socks, bulls, blackhawks, and nine dollars and ninety cents to the city of Chicago. Uh, for a uh, sports package tax. So I I feel your pain. It's a lot of money to pay for, and if you don't think the quality is there, I understand that. Uh, Mark, you can you can handle the the other part of Bill's question. What was the other part of Bill's question? <laughs> <laughs> well, he he just said that he does he has no faith in Hoyer. Oh, okay. He has no faith in in well, and, and I'll remind I'll remind you that Hoyer was uh, a big part of that first rebuild. And if, uh, right. you liked Anthony Riz- if you liked Anthony Rizzo, okay, so Hoyer personally is responsible for Anthony Rizzo, number one, helping being drafted by the Boston Red Sox, number two, as the general manager of the San Diego Padres, trading for Anthony Rizzo from the Red Sox, number three, trading from San Diego to the Cubs, Hoyer was back with Epstein as they traded for Rizzo. So uh, to, to say that uh, he's not good at what he does and doesn't make good trades, you know, I can see I can see what you're you're saying in some respects. In others, you know, you have to give the man credit. He was a part of this rebuild. He was part of the World Championship rebuild. Uh, you're going to have to give him a little bit of a chance here on this rebuild. It's only since last July that we're looking at a a rebuild of the Chicago Cubs. Right,
3: and with all that said, I, I expect Anthony Rizzo will be back with the Cubs in three years because that's always the first move when the Cubs are good again. To bring Ant- if, if you're Jed Hoyer, you have Anthony Rizzo by your side. One text before we take a break and bring in uh, Yankees broadcaster Susan Waldman. Uh, and a lot of texts coming into this similar. Some are supporting me, some are not. But this one definitely directed at me. With all due respect, you're wrong. Theo Epstein himself set the standard as multiple trips to the World Series. He failed. He failed. The The idea that the Cubs, and that was the original premise of our conversation, the idea that the Cubs rebuild was a failure with going to the, the National League Championship Series in 15, 16, and 17, and winning the World Series in 2016 is absolutely, absolutely ludicrous. Have other franchises done better than the Cubs at sustaining success? Of course they have, the, and I seen examples from the Astros, the Red Sox, and the Dodgers, 100%. Should, should this core still be more intact than it is? You knew we were going to lose somebody along the way. Should this core be more, Of course it should be. No doubt about it. But, but the idea that somehow this was a failure because it's not, uh, it's it's ridiculous. And it, I think it's, it's exactly wrong. We need to take a break, though, because we are going to make room for Yankees broadcaster Susan Waldman she is coming up next here it is inside the clubhouse he is Bruce Levine I'm Mark Grody filling in for David Hall on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score we're back with more inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Hall on Sports Radio 670 the score and 670 the presented by Bent Rivers Sportsbook Welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse, along with Bruce Levine. I'm Mark Grody, filling in for David Haw this week. It's been a great show. Talked a lot of Cubs and White Sox, White Sox and Yankees out at guaranteed Rate field again tonight. It'll be Jordan Montgomery against Dallas Keuchel after those Yankees have come in a hitting the baseball 15 runs in the first game. Another double digit total for the Yankees last night and that was 10 and one of the people to call all of the action on the Yankees side of the world is a classic Yankees broadcaster Susan Waldman who I got to meet when I was doing Cubs pre and post a few years ago and uh, she joins us on the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas home of the world's largest sports book we welcome Susan Waldman got to be pretty fun to call the last two games for the Yankees on the south side huh Susan
0: you know what Mark and good morning guys um this whole couple of months has been fun I mean everything about this team and I was a little skeptical when they fired everybody and brought in all kinds of new people this is a fun team to to follow and to watch And it's not just because the the, the home runs, it's a different kind of baseball. They're playing um, good defense. Well, last night was a good example. But they're playing really great defense. And they're doing other things besides hitting the home runs. And when I was talking to Giancarlo Stanton last night on post game, I asked him about that. And it's because um, the pitchers have to prepare for the other kinds of things that they do. They move runners. They are running. The New York Yankees are actually running. And they they go the other way, and so that you have to prepare for everything. And so when you miss a little bit, they still can hit home runs, as you saw the other night and last couple of nights. And it really is a lot of fun. And Mark, you're the person, you're the other perfect person for me to ask. Why are they booing Anthony Rizzo in, in, in White Sox territory?
3: <laughs> you know why? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Susan, because the, the White Sox fans don't like the Cubs, the Cubs? and okay, Anthony Rizzo still has Cubs stink on him. So it's going to take a while. You're going to need a few years <laughs> in the Yankees' pinstripes.
0: You know what? And I thought that, and I said, because John Sterling, my partner, asked me why would they boo him here? And I said, the White Sox fans hate the Cubs. Don't you know that? <laughs> and so that's what I went with. So I hope I yep. was right. So that Spot was, that's on. Right. Yes. But um, Anthony Rizzo, first month and a half, MVP of this team. Yeah. MVP and, and, of this team with everything.
4: And Susan, it's it's great to talk to you as always and, and, and a pleasure. And when we talked to you last year and late summer, you talked a, a, a good deal about the, the game changer that Anthony Rizzo was, both offensively, defensively, and, and just picking up, the energy level for the Yankees last year. And I think the addition of him, and, and correct me if I'm wrong because we want your opinion on this, the addition of him again this year as well as uh, going out and getting kind of at shortstop, moving Torres back to a more natural position at second base. Uh, the, the defense is probably not talked about as much about the Yankees, but it, it always goes hand in hand with a winning team, doesn't it?
0: Yes it, yes, it does. And let me tell you about Rizzo, because, um, and I did say that to you last year, but l- last year when he got COVID, um, he came back, he wasn't the same. And, you know, you know with Moncada here what happened to him when he got sick. Mm-hmm. Anthony was pretty sick. And he was never the same for the rest of that year. And it took a lot out of you. And he said at one point to somebody it was like when he went through chemo. And since I know what that is like, you, you, you think you're better and you're not because it stays in your body, and it was ne- he was never the same. I am so glad that they signed him, never mind for the defensive part, and never mind for he is hitting, by the way. And um, for the first month of the, of the season, it doesn't look like it now. For the first month of the season, he carried this team. He was always hitting home runs and always driving in runners. But this is what he also does, and you guys in Chicago know this better than, than we do, because we're seeing it. Every time he's on the field... The defense is, is better because he, for example, got, went up to Kindafilepa, who's who's struggling a little bit. You saw it last night. Um, he tries really hard and he wants to be so good, Kindafilepa. And he had some errant throws, and all of a sudden, there's Anthony Rizzo going over to him and said, saying, "Dude, just throw the ball. I'll get it. I'll I promise. Don't <laughs> set. Just throw it. Just." And he and he does, and it, and it makes a difference to the mindset every time. The pitching coach and the manager are thinking of going out to talk to a struggling pitcher. Anthony Rizzo's already over there. He is like a he is everything on that field. He's just been fabulous and there are little things that you don't notice, but I notice them seeing it every day. You know, you look up and there he is. And you look up and all of a sudden if if they're not hitting home runs, it's Rizzo who goes the other way, chokes up. And all of a sudden, because everybody's shifting on everybody, um, you can't shift on Rizzo. They do, and when he does, he makes you pay the other way. And yep. you've seen that—you know—that choking up a little bit with two strikes for years, and he does it, and they continue to do it. But he, he really is something. And I think it was um, the perfect compliment. And those are maybe little things that you don't—that you don't see. Um, but I one of the things I talked to Stanton about yesterday was about the home runs and all that and and how this happens because when you're trying to uh, get someone out and you know that all he's going to do is strike out or hit a home run, he's a lot easier to get out than if you're going the other way and you're getting hits and you're hitting doubles off the wall and hitting the, the ball where it's pitched and that's what they're doing and it's it's been fun. You know that it's going to go the other way at some point. Nobody wins every game but it's, but it's really been fun so far and to watch this team come to Together,
4: because there's a lot of new faces in that. Susan, it's the modern-day Murderers Row for the Yankees. You know, it takes you back to the, you know, the, the 20s with Gehrig and Ruth, and the 50s with Mantle and Maris, and uh, you know, and, and to a certain extent with the, the great teams in the late 90s and early 2000s with with the Yankees. But my question to you is this: Stanton is such a great hitter when he's healthy. So is Judge, and and they're firing at all cylinders. Why do teams or have teams tried to pitch them inside? Because they're destroying balls to center field and right center field. They're, just, they don't, they're not trying to hit 500-foot home runs. They're hitting line drives.
0: Why not try to move them out off the plate a little bit? Well, because it, it really hasn't, they just haven't done They used to be able to tie, judge, and stand up inside. They absolutely did. And this year, they're just not and it's a different approach that both of them have. And if you look at the approach and look at the swing, Giancarlo Stanton yeah. hardly swings. And so when you try and pitch him inside, um, he will he will not swing. If it's a strike, he'll move his back back, and he'll just hit a little line drive. But he's so strong that it's going to go somewhere, and it's going to go yeah, somewhere really hard, where hard. And the other thing, Bruce, that they, they are doing because of – and I was not someone who, who gave exit below numbers. But if you watch Stanton and Judge, when they, they get a lot, of they hit the ball so hard that if it's not right at a fielder, they're not going to get it. Watch if it goes in between the second and, you know, second base and shortstop. Watch if it goes in between the shortstop and third base. They hit the ball so darn hard. And that also is a function of the ball coming in. Everybody throws 97 now. And when you talk about you know Mantle and Maris and all those kinds of things, look at the pitching now. Mantle and Maris never, and never faced an entire staff of, of pitchers throwing 97 miles an hour, and that's the difference, and that's why they use the exit velocity thing, and that's why it's become important because you learn how to. I mean, I'm fascinated with what's happening with this with this team because last year they had five million strikeouts, and if they didn't hit a home run, they weren't going to win. Somebody from ESPN said to me the other day, well, you know, 50 percent of the runs are scored by home runs. And I said, well, then that means that 50 percent are scored not by the home run, which is a whole heck of a lot better than what it what it's been for the last three years around here. It's a fascinating change. It really is. Mm -hmm. The approach to hitting here is it's just a fascinating change. But you mentioned injuries. Have you noticed that everybody's been healthy? (laughs) <laughs> and yep. a lot of it, yeah, is, it if, a lot of it is because Aaron Boone. You know, there's always a big player on the bench, ready to come off the bench in in the ninth inning because there's ten people in ninth spots. So there's uh, R- Rizzo
3: yesterday, players. right? Guy he had the luxury of sitting absolutely. Rizzo. They still scored ten runs.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. But a lot of times they don't score ten runs. And there's a Glaber Torres who's won three games all by himself, by the way, in the ninth inning. And there's a Torres, or there's a Stanton coming up. But if you look at it also Aaron Boone has managed this team that someone is always sitting so someone gets a day off. So there's been no talk about hamstrings, there's no talk about a eh, little lower leg problem. It just hasn't happened. And that's that's a function of how Aaron Boone has been able to manage this team. You know, I don't know who's got the off day today, but there's reasons for it. <laughs> and you know, we don't know why, but there's always somebody that's going to sit. It's fascinating to watch. Well, with all that
3: said, with with the luxury that Aaron Boone has to sit a guy and to have a thumper, as you said, that can always come up in the 10th inning, Aaron Judge, from the reports that I am reading out of New York, turned down the Yankees' seven-year, $213 mm-hmm. million dollar deal prior to the season. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question is to you, Susan Waldman, is – Who's, who's got the power in those negotiations? Because the Yankees, are looks like they're back in an era where they can sign whomever they want, and they got a lot on the team even without Aaron Judge, as, as great as Aaron Judge is.
0: No, I, I think that Aaron Judge has the upper hand here. And if you look at how much is Aaron Judge worth to the New York Yankees, Aaron Judge has become, in a lot of places, the face of baseball. And, and every time he hits another... <laughs> game-winning home run are every time a little boy in Toronto cries because he's got a ball it gets to beat him. That's on national television. And Aaron Judge, and this is, you know, to you and you and I, it, it seems like an a lot of money, which it is, <laughs> which is ridiculous, but he thinks that he should be paid with, he should get more money than Anthony Rendon. He should get more money than Mookie Betts. He is a very valuable commodity nationally and here. On the other hand... Once he leaves here, if he does, he's just another ball player. I mean, it, to be the star of baseball and be a New York Yankee, I'm sorry, is a big deal. It, it is. And he thinks he should get, you know, money like Mike Trout. He really should. And people say, yeah. well, he's not a good, as, as good a player as Mike Trout. And uh, not to the New York Yankees he, he isn't. I mean, I mean, to the fans he is. You put Aaron Judge in Nebraska, everybody knows who he is. That's, yeah, I think uh, 30, million on,
4: times, uh, thirty million times thirty uh, million times eight. Uh, that's it's not a bad contract, Susan.
0: What, whatever <laughs> that is, you know that's he's banking on himself, and whatever it is, he will get what he wants, and he'll get it somewhere. And he's that confident yeah. in himself, and he should be. And one thing we haven't talked about at all—we're talking about all the hitting and everything. This team has the best pitching in baseball, which yeah. nobody talks about. They have a bullpen, and, and my, you know Michael King um, had a bad outing time before last, and last night was a little shaky. Um, but this, this bullpen is unbelievable. And when you look at it, take a look tonight. Y- you say, for example, everybody is different. Everyone comes in with a different repertoire. You could say fastball slider, same with Miguel Castro and Clay Holmes. Are they the same? No. The slider is totally different the arm angle is totally different so they have what they call lanes now this is words i'm learning over the years a lane if you if so-and-so and so-and-so is up this works better against play home slider but if other people are better in comes miguel castro and wandy peralta and lucas Licky are a different kind of lefty they can get both righties and lefties out one with the slider one with the changeup and the only one who's been a little iffy is the closer but he gets people out. We're just so used to Mariano coming in one, two, three and get on the bus. Um, that yeah. doesn't happen anymore. But that's Susan. yeah. Go ahead. I know. Yep. I babble. Appreciate- I'm sorry.
4: <laughs> no, no, you don't babble. <laughs> I think you're, great, you're great. Susan, our listeners uh, love you. We're gonna have you. to They'll do it again voice. soon because we're we're up against the clock. Thank uh, you so much you for taking time out and uh, let's let's do it again sometime uh, in the middle or late summer because you're. You're so fantastic and you're so great with your time and such a good friend for all these years. Have a, a great day. Look to see you out at the Am ballpark. I see and uh
0: okay.
4: I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. Mark and I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Okay.
0: Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Bye bye.
4: All right. The great Susan Waldman on Inside the Clubhouse. When we come back, a quick turnaround and Adam Engel, as promised, will be a part of Inside the Clubhouse. You're listening to the score. At 670thescore.com and Inside the Clubhouse. We're back with
3: more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670thescore and 670thescore.com presented by Bett Rivers Sportsbook. Hello, good morning, happy Saturday to all of you. We are absolutely talking baseball here on Inside the Clubhouse along with Bruce Levine. I am Mark Grody filling in for David Haw here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And let's continue to talk White Sox. We are very pleased to have the White Sox' Adam Engel joining us. And he joins us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Adam Engel, welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse. How are you doing this morning?
1: Hi, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain.
3: Um, doing good. Weather's great. So
1: it's awesome to be on your show. Thanks for having me.
4: Uh, Adam, thanks again for uh, joining us. Uh, I I wonder uh, what the uh, the up and down season has been all about for you and the White Sox so far. Uh, Obviously, things are not always linear in a baseball season. Last year, as we saw, you know, uh, the White Sox got off to a little bit slower start. What's the perspective inside the clubhouse with you guys and right now and how you're playing ball?
0: Yeah,
1: I think um, you know we we actually got off to what I think we won the first three series of the year, and then we hit that that tough skid where we lost a bunch in a row. Um, so I, you know, the the feel is just keep showing up, and um, you know, just keep preparing for each night's game, and um, you know, just kind of stay the course. I don't think there's obviously. I think we just went one game below 500 last night. Um, you know, it's not where we want to be, obviously, but. Um, It's definitely not, you know, a a time for us to worry about what our what our goals for the season are. So, um, you know, we're we're just trying to show up to the yard every day and and, and make sure we're prepared for that night's game. And, um, you know, with with the amount of talent that we have, we feel pretty confident that after 162 we will be where we need to be in order to to accomplish what we're looking to accomplish this year.
3: Adam, when we started the interview, you mentioned how, how nice it has been outside. And, uh, we all totally and completely agree with you. And going into this Yankee series, you knew the fans would be up for it. You knew that everybody was going to look at this as a, as a measuring stick. How, considering the crowds out there, considering the weather, how disappointing has it been the way this series has started for you guys with having lost the first two games in front of the big crowds and the nice weather out at Guaranteed Rate Field?
1: Yeah, I think it's always, you know, less than ideal to to have a four game set and you lose the first two games. Um, but unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, that's baseball. Um, you play really good teams, and obviously, that's a really good roster over there as well. And they're playing some really good baseball. So, um, you know, you always want to win, especially at home. You want to win in front of your fans. And, you know, a, a team like New York comes in, it, it feels like, you know, no matter what kind of season you're having or what kind of season they're having, um, that's a team that you want to play well um, against, especially for your fans. Um, you know, it seems like fans are a little bit more um, interested in those games. So you want to play well. You want to, you want to beat them. So, you know, we still got two games left. Um, so, like I said before, we're just going to show up to the yard, prepare, prepare for the last two games here, and, um, you know, we're looking to come out on top.
4: Adam, uh, when you, you look at the, the, ni- the nice stretch that you guys were on, and especially going into Boston and sweeping, which is really impressive, um, regardless of how Boston is playing, that is a tough place to, to win in, let alone sweep in. Um, from your perspective, and, you know, we, we constantly on this show – talk about defense and baseball and how it's probably the most overlooked aspect of the game and, and the most important in my mind, you you look at the correlation between you winning you guys on that winning streak and a good stretch of defense. It, it's not a mistake, is it?
1: No. And I think it depends on like you're saying, who you ask about defense. I, I feel like a lot of people have kind of fallen in love with, um, the numbers that, you know, the technology is, is starting to spit out from, from the offensive standpoint. So people are, are starting to be able to kind of quantify, you know, what makes a, an offensive player or what makes an offensive play kind of optimal and, and people like that. But it doesn't change the fact that, you know, pitching and defense are what win championships. I, I think that's, that's pretty, pretty well-known. Um, pitching defense, and then timely hitting. I, I feel like those those three things create a championship club. Um, don't get me wrong. There's going to be times where offense carries a team. You know, there's going to be stretches of that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to get out. And, um, you know, we have a team that can absolutely pitch really, really well and play really, really good defense. And um, we've shown that we can do that. Um, and then we've also shown where, you know, we haven't been as clean on the defensive side. So, um, you know, like I said, I, I think it really all comes back to. I know it, it sounds boring. Um, just get ready, go to the yard, and get ready to, to play for that night's game. And um, at the end of 162, I truly feel like this team's got one the the roster and, and the talent, um, but to the work ethic that, you know, as we continue to play here, things are going to iron iron out and you know, the law of averages will catch back up with us and, and we'll start winning a lot more, a lot more baseball.
3: And you guys, I mean, Adam, you guys have won, you know, seven of, of your last 10 games. Unfortunately, the three losses have just been so dramatic, especially that crazy Josh Naylor game against Cleveland. And then obviously with the power of John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge in the last two days, are are there circumstances where you look at, especially the Naylor game, where you look at it and go, all right, that's just a guy who did something extraordinary tonight and we're kind of powerless over that?
1: Yeah, you know, I- I don't want to say you're powerless, but that's, again, that, that's kind of the, the the game of baseball. You just, you show up and, and you try and do the right thing and, you know, you give yourself the best chance and, you know, there's going to be games where we're going to have that guy that, you know, drives in seven runs in a game, you know, and we're going to win a game. because. And I don't want to say be, Naylor was the only reason why they won that game, but obviously he played a much bigger role than, than one player typically plays in a, in a single win, but we're going to have that. You know, we have multiple guys that can do that. Um, and Naylor did it that night. It, it was obviously heartbreaking as a as a player for the White Sox, you know. Um, but again, that's baseball. It's not going to happen very often. Um, you know, Giancarlo, I think I saw a stat last night that he's like second in the big leagues in homers since 2010, maybe. Um, so you're going to run into teams that have guys like that as well. And Um, you know, not last night, but the night before we were tied going into, you know, the late innings there and, um, you know, we're a a couple pitches away or a couple hits away from actually winning that game, even though, you know, it turned out to be a little bit more lopsided than the game actually was. Um, again, that's baseball. So I think you're going to see that that happens in our favor. You know, coming down. You know, these last hundred and however many games we have, like we're going to have games where we do that. And um, unfortunately, we're on the wrong side of it for a couple games. And um, you know, we're just going to keep showing up to the field and 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 um, having the right attitude. And and you know, like I said, I feel like after 162, we'll be in a good spot.
4: Adam, uh, Mark, and I appreciate your time and uh, thanks for catching up with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you in. We'll see you yep, out at the thank, ballpark. Thank Thanks again.
1: Yep, yep. Thank you guys. Adam Engel. For me on.
3: Yep. See you, man.
4: Yeah. Pleasure. Adam Engel joining us on inside the clubhouse, Mark. And, uh, the show went quickly. We have people to think we do. We, have yeah, we do. Thank, uh, yeah, go ahead. Hey, we
3: have Adam Angle, who we just had on. We want to thank uh, Yankees broadcaster Susan Waldman. She was excellent. Could have talked to her all morning long. Also, thanks to Cesar Perez, the executive producer of this show. And looking forward to hearing uh, Steve Rosenblum coming up because guess what, Bruce? I'm going to be on the show in the first segment. Yes. Yeah.
4: Yes. First 1st co-host segment uh, guest. Yeah, that's right. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also uh, on our website, 670thescore.com, where I write the Cubs and Sox all of the time. And listen to Mark Grody and Steve Rosenbloom next. Our good friend David Hall will be back next week. Thanks a lot, Mark. Enjoyed it. Have a great day. To you, Bruce. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score.